word tonight. All right, let's dive in. Levi, would you help me and grab my Bible and uh, my notes right there? I forgot to bring those up with me. And uh, listen, uh, uh, not the folder, the Bible, and then my notes are right there. Come on. All righty. Thank you so much, Levi. All right. Woo! I'm looking at the clock. It's 6.05. I'm posed to let y'all out of here by 6.30. Come on, y'all stretch your hands toward pastor and say, Lord, help pastor. In Jesus' name. Amen. How y'all pray that prayer like that? Oh, ye of little faith. Come on, we can do this. We can do this together. Uh, listen, uh, we're revisiting a sermon series that we did at the beginning of the year called Supreme. And in that series, we, we, we spent time in the book of Colossians. And our focus, our emphasis in that series was learning about, discovering, and unpacking three aspects of who Christ is. The sufficiency of Christ. Come on, stuff, uh, church. He, he, he's more than enough, which means he's all that you need. I'll say that again. The sufficiency of Christ. Because he is more than enough, he's all you need. We talked about the sovereignty of Christ, and then third, we talked about the supremacy of Christ, Jesus over everything. We talked about what that looks like for Jesus to be over everything in our world, but I really felt we had an opportunity to, to, to revisit this idea of the supremacy and sufficiency and sovereignty of Christ as it relates to Jesus being over everything in us. When we decrease so that he can increase. When we get out the way so that he can be all that he desires to be in us and through us. So that is the premise of Supreme 2.0. It is the study of the supremacy of Christ, but the supremacy of Christ in our lives. Are y'all with me? John the Baptist said it this way in John chapter 3 and verse 30. I must decrease and he must increase. In the New Living Translation, the writers uh, uh, put it this way. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. That's where the rub comes because we live in a society and a culture today, man, that is so self-indulgent. Yet Jesus says the priority and the prerequisite for following him is, first of all, that you have to deny yourself. Then you take up your cross and then you can follow him. And I'm wondering how many fans, how many people that Jesus has that are just fans, not followers. The qualification of a follower of Christ is self-denial. Here it is. And crucifixion. That something about me has to die in order for Christ to live. Are, are you all with me? That is counterintuitive because everything we learn in life and from culture is about self-promotion, how you get ahead. Yet Jesus says, in the kingdom economy, we descend into greatness. Yeah. Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, who was in the form of God, became a servant. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. The cross always comes before the crown. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. 
because we're going to be talking about the church that Jesus imagined. And my prayer is that over the next several weeks, we will become that church as we revisit God's word. Uh, we've been reading through the book of Acts together, and, uh, and I don't know about you, man, but it has really been a source of inspiration for me and uh, a reminder of God's original and eternal plan for the church. So I'm going to read to you our anchor text, uh, which is lifted from Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. Before I do that, Jesus sort of gave us this, this picture of, of, of what he imagined, right? His vision for the church. He said, on this rock, I, Jesus, will build my church. Whose church is it? It's his church. On this rock, I will build my church, listen to this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What Jesus envisioned, what Jesus imagined was a church that would be victorious and triumphant and reign in life. And how many of you realize that the church is not the physical structure, the church is his people? And in order for the church to be triumphant, that means that God's people have to be victorious individually before the church can be triumphant corporately. That means when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He saw individual Christ followers who would win in life. And that's where God wants us to live. He wants us to reign in this life. And he begins to give us a process. It is not just for his church corporately, but it's for you and it is for me individually. So here we go. Jesus imagined a church. Remember what he said? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He imagined a church that would be unstoppable, irresistible, infectious, and contagious. He imagined a church that would go viral. And that church did. It started with 12 men that became 120 men in the upper room, and 2,000 years later, there's billions of us. Imagine what God can do with a few of us sold out to him today. If he could start with 12 ordinary men, fishermen, tax collectors, ordinary men who went on to change the world what can God do through you? He wants all of us to go viral. That means your life ought to become contagious. That everything you touch should begin to take on the character of God because God lives so big in you. Are y'all with me? Okay, so we're going to discover what that looks like. So here in Acts chapter 2, we get a glimpse of what the early church looked like. And that's going to be sort of the uh, blueprint for how we become the church that Jesus imagined. Because Jesus was supreme in the early church. I would venture to say that most churches have dethroned Jesus and enthroned self. That most churches have dethroned Christ and enthroned culture where we're getting our cues from culture instead of Christ. But as we examine the early church, 
The church that was born on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, 120 spirit-empowered believers, this is what that church looked like. And it was the church that Jesus imagined. Here it is, beginning at verse number 40, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Y'all hear that? Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. Somebody say viral. Peter gets up, he preaches one message. And may I submit to you that this was not a seeker-sensitive, politically correct message either. He said, if you're going to walk with Jesus, if your life is going to go viral... Rescue yourself, run from this perverse generation. And the problem in the church is we have shied away from the truth. In fact, what we have done is we have subscribed to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, where Isaiah prophetically declares that there would come a time when men would call what is good evil and they would call what is evil good. Yet on the day the church was born, Peter declared a message that was true. And it wasn't just true, it was truth. And most of us have shied away from the truth of God's word because the truth has made us uncomfortable. In fact, there are many Christians today who don't even believe in such a thing as absolute truth. It was the avowed atheist Bertrand Russell who said it this way, if there is no God, then there is no right or wrong, just preferences. And that's what culture has tried to do. If we can explain away absolute truth, if we can move the line of what is right and what is wrong, who are you to tell me what's right or wrong? It's my preference. And who are you to judge my preference? Yet on the day the church was born, Peter boldly declared, be delivered, be rescued from this perverse generation. Now since we're talking about going viral, There are people every day in labs playing with viruses in those environments. The reason they don't get infected by those viruses is because they're they're dressed for the environment. And the problem is the church is out here in culture, and culture has its own viral agents. And those viral agents have infected and infested the church because we ain't dressed right. That's why the scripture says, put on Christ. If you and I were to sit an unbeliever and a believer in most churches side by side, most of them would sound identical. Wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Because the believer, for most of them, are just as afraid as the unbeliever. Struggling in their lives just like the unbeliever. Marriages just as busted as the unbeliever. Yet we have the audacity to present Christ when Christ ain't working for us. You know what a guy told, told my, one of my friends who was trying to witness to him? He said, yo, Jesus better be good to you before you, you try to tell me about Jesus. There was no evidence of the work of Jesus in his life, the Jesus he was trying to preach. And so on the day of Pentecost, 
the message was bold. And the scripture calls us to live out a bold gospel that is not judgmental or critical. We speak the truth, but we speak it in love. And this is what we say at Converge Church. The truth may hurt, but it will never harm. I'll say that again. The truth of the gospel may hurt, but it will never harm. In fact, if you and I allow the truth of God to take root in our hearts, even when it's hard and uncomfortable, it will help. It will never harm. It will only help. So the gospel they preached wasn't a gospel that they watered down to accommodate people and make it easy for people. Because that version of the gospel doesn't help. That version of the gospel enables bad behavior. Right. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yep. And I'm not saying about what we preach. I'm talking about the gospel we choose to live. Somebody said, your life speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. Yeah. Speak the truth in love. The church that is viral is bold and it challenges culture and status quo. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, I quoted it earlier, but here's what it says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He's talking about people who, who make this exchange and normalize what God has called evil. And what God says is bad for us. So the church that we see as Converged Church, which is the church we believe that Jesus saw, is a church that is culturally relevant, yet it is bold and relentless in its pursuit and proclamation of truth. We're going to be culturally relevant. I'm going to put on these skinny jeans and sweat through it. But guess what? We're going to tell people about Jesus. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but we're going to preach Jesus. Amen. And listen to me. The version of Jesus that we preach is not a critical or judgmental Jesus. The version of Jesus that we preach is the version of Jesus that was called a friend of sinners. The version of Jesus we preach is the version of Jesus that attracted tax collectors and prostitutes because the, the church that Jesus imagined, he wanted it to be a church where people could belong before they believe. Let me go a step further. The version of the church that Jesus died and bled for and the version of Jesus that we will preach is a church where you can belong before you believe and even before you behave. Let me tell you why. Our responsibility is, is to catch him. If we're going to be fishers of men, our responsibility is to catch him. His responsibility is to clean him. But guess what we will not do? We will not compromise the word of God. We will tell the hard truth and the bold truth because it is only the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power. Levi, my son, his favorite uh, Bible verse, 
is Romans 1.16, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. And what you and I have with the truth of God's word is something that has the power to save men's souls. We ain't going to water it down. We will contend for the faith. Number two, here it is. How do we go viral? Come on, somebody. I just looked at the time. Yeah. Come on. Y'all begin your intercession. Start that intercession now. (laughs) The church we see, here it is, and the church that Jesus imagined is unapologetically Christ-centered, not personality-driven. Listen to me. If we are going to go viral, what we preach, who we preach and represent to our world is Christ, not ourselves. Notice what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither who plants, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but the God who gives the increase. Did y'all hear that? The man who waters, the man who sows, the man who plants is absolutely nothing without the God who gives the increase. And let me tell you part of the problem with the church and how culture has slipped into the church is most of us want a platform without the process. In our social media-driven age, all you need to do is download an app and you have an instant platform. And people are out there who they call influencers, who are influencing what our children think, what they believe, what they buy, what they spend their money on. Ain't been through no process nowhere. Now, that may work for culture, but it shouldn't be so for the kingdom. Because the process in the kingdom, the process always precedes the platform. Hmm? We have had friends. Anyway, let me leave that alone. Let me, let me, let me leave that alone. Who wanted a platform? <laughs> Listen to me. If serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. Because if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. I'm talking about the church that Jesus imagined. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, if anybody would be great in my kingdom, he must be servant of all. Mm. So, 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 there are a lot of things we could do uh, to, to, to get people hyped up. But when it's all said and done, I want for me and I want for my wife to be able to say to God with integrity, we did it your way. Mm. Y'all ready for this? Number three. Number three, the church we see, and I believe this is a church that Jesus imagined, is a church where personal growth, here it is, is not an option, but a necessity. 
Notice verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, they continued steadfastly, diligently in the apostles' doctrine. Three things, the word of God. They continued steadfastly in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. These were their priorities as Christ followers. The word of God, authentic community, and prayer. Why? The Bible declares man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The reason we do our, our Bible immersion campaign so that we get back into the word is because the word of God is what sustains us and carries us through life. Prioritize the word of God in your own life. Prioritize the word of God in your own life. It blessed me so much that at the end of five weeks of Bible study, the men unanimously agreed. He said, Pastor Ray, we're just getting started. Let's go a little bit deeper. We finish our Bible study, and the men of our church, who are husbands and fathers, were so hungry and thirsty for the word that they wanted to go deeper. You know how many men we've invited from our Facebook group and our WhatsApp group? A whole lot more than are showing up. But guess what? We're going to prioritize the ones that do. And when life happens, and it happens to all of us, this is not a threat. This is the truth. The scripture says, that the storm came to the wise builder and the foolish builder. Just because you build your house wisely doesn't mean the storms won't come. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The difference between the foolish builder and the wise builder is that the wise builder built his house upon the rock, which is the word of God. I don't beg nobody for nothing no more. I invite you, you want to show up, you show up. You don't want to show up, you don't show up. And the thing about it is, I, we pour our hearts and souls into it. We'll be faithful with the little. And God will make us rulers over much. And here's what, here's the thing. As leaders and pastors, if we're not careful, we can become so fixated on who ain't showing up that we, we short the people who are. And that's a lesson of the, 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 the 10 lepers. Only one came back. None of them left. And if you're not careful in your own life personally, you will become so fixated on the nine who left you, who didn't return to thank you, that you don't love the one who came back. And that's the problem with most of us. If we allow what the nine did to us to keep us from giving our best to the one, the devil is a lie. For everybody in this room, the one that came back, what you will get from me and Pastor Wendy is the best of what God has deposited in us. Amen. The word of God. Prioritize the word of God for yourself. For yourself. Listen to me. When it comes to spiritual things, it's almost like, well, let the pastor eat and somehow it's going to fill me up. It ain't going to fill you. What I eat is for me. Here's the second thing. They continue steadfastly in fellowship, koinonia, deep, close association. Things have changed, and we know not everybody's going to show up here. So we offer small groups, virtual groups, a whole lot of people who don't prioritize that. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Ooh, I, feel your, I feel your intercession slipping off. Y'all need to stay with it. Huh? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, 
as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What was, what was the writer of Hebrews saying? He says, some have this custom where they, they have started forsaking the assembling of themselves together. And you know, those, the church he was writing to was a church that was facing deep persecution. Yet the writer of Hebrews says, don't be like the people who stop gathering just because of persecution. Hold up. That would sound like a convenient reason for us not to gather. Yet the writer of Hebrews says, don't be like people who forsake the assembling of themselves together as is the custom of some. Let me tell you this. In life, you are only as strong as what makes you stop. In life, you are only as strong as what makes you stop. And for most people, it's just one word of criticism. And you're ready to quit the job. For some people, it's just one bad situation, one bad break, and you quit God. You are only as strong as what makes you stop. So what's made God's people stop? Assembling together in worship. I know it ain't COVID. Because if it were really COVID... Y'all wouldn't be at all these concerts with thousands of people around you that you ain't never met, you ain't know if they're vaccinated or not, they ain't got on no mask, and you won't come to church. But you'll go to a concert with no mask on? No, no, no. Don't blame it on COVID. Just say, I don't come to church because it's no longer a priority. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Yet the early church was viral because they prioritized koinonia, fellowship and the breaking of bread. Woo! Here's what I'm going to wrap up for today. There's so much more that I could say, but this is where I'm going to wrap up. Number three, number three, they prioritized prayer. Hey! If there is a lost art in the church, it is the art of prayer. And prayer ought to be our first response, not our last resort. That's why Solomon said it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Listen, here it is. In all your ways. In all your ways. In all your ways. In all your ways. That's why MC Hammer said you've got to pray just to make it today. You know why? Because the scripture says in all your ways. In every move you make. Acknowledge me. Bring me into your decision-making process. How do we do that? Through prayer. And most of us just freestyling through life. Making our own decisions, asking God to bless it, and we hope something's going to stick. Don't work that way. Don't work that way. It's prayer. In prayer, we discover the will of God. I promise you this is why I'm going to close. Because I talked to the men about it, and I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what we talked about. Because your husbands have been in a Bible study with me, and we've been talking about what it looks like to live and lead as prophet, priest, and king. And we started talking about what it looks like to live prophetically. Let me tell you about the mistake most of us make. I promise you this is where I'm going to close. And y'all can start playing the Academy Awards music behind me. There it is. The mistake most of us make when we talk about living prophetically is we put the emphasis 
or what someone might declare. When we talk about prophetic ministry, we think about thus saith the Lord. We're looking for a word from the Lord. And while that is important and that is valid, the most important part for us, all of us in this room as Christ followers, if we're going to live and lead prophetically, the first thing that must happen is not what we say, but our ability to hear effectively. I've talked to speech pathology, pathologists before who have said there are certain speech impediments, right? Where people struggle with their speech and it has absolutely nothing to do with their vocal cords. It has nothing to do with the mechanics of their voice. The reason they struggle with their speech is because of a hearing impediment. Have you ever tried to speak to someone who was deaf? And they tried to speak to you and their words were kind of slurred and you couldn't make out what they were saying? For many of them, it has nothing to do with their vocal cords. They are trying to mimic something with their voice that they're not hearing accurately. Listen to me. The Bible says concerning Samuel, who was this bridge between the judges and the kings, who was a prophet in Israel, that not one word that Samuel spoke fell to the ground unfulfilled. I want you to hear that. Meaning, if Samuel opened his mouth to say something, you could take it to the bank. But most people just focus on what uh, someone might say. And you don't realize that what we say is directly connected to what we heard. But not just what we heard, but how we heard. You say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? I'm talking about when we go through life talking a certain way and the words that we are speaking don't align with what God's been saying. My words don't match the word of God. My speech is not aligned to what God is saying concerning me. And because my hearing is bad, my speaking is bad. And because my speaking is bad, the manifestations are wrong in my life. Because life and death, listen to me, are in the power of the tongue. How do we master our ability to hear the voice of God? So like Samuel, the words we speak will never fall to the ground unfulfilled. It happens in prayer. It happens in prayer. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 says, Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things you don't even know. So what God wants us to do is to become this church that is viral because we prioritize personal growth. How am I going to grow? The word of God, koinonia, and prayer. Are y'all with me? We're going to go on this journey together because these are the principles that made the early church effective, that made them viral. And they are the same principles that you and I can apply in our personal lives to begin to see the transformation in our lives and in the people in our sphere of influence. Because God wants your life, he wants my life to go viral. Infectious contagious and irresistible. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you will seal this word in our hearts. And God, I pray that your will, your kingdom would come and your will will be done in our lives. Father, help us 
in our own lives personally to go viral, to be a faithful representation of Jesus to our world and our generation. And God, I pray that you would also do it corporately in our church. That God will not just be known for popularity, but God will be known for power, the power that we walk in because our lives are connected to Jesus, who is supreme, who is sovereign, and who is sufficient. And God, we've seen you move. We've seen you move mountains. And God, we know that you will do it again in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.